the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 191 for January 24th, 2010. More tablet speculation leading into this week's Apple event, multi-touch on Android, and how much is too much for wireless? My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Coppas. Brought to you by Netflix and supported by listeners like you, subscribers to The Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked. More information at thecellphonejunkie.com. This show is also supported by The Cell Phone Junkie podcast application for the iPhone and iPod Touch, now available in the iTunes store for $1.99. First this week, we've got our final segment of the six-part series from the Smartphone Experts' third annual Round Robin. This week, we're focusing on Windows Mobile. The segment is about 10 minutes long and will return right after this with the news. One of the oldest and largest platforms for the smartphones phones has always been Windows Mobile, and we've got uh, pretty much everyone in the room has used it in the past, uh, yet no one is using it anymore. <laughs> Why is that? Let's talk a little bit about it. Uh, yeah, so um, Phil dropped a bomb on us this time by bringing a phone that required a forklift to get it onto the table. <laughs> and I'm talking about the HD2. I mean, the thing is, its screen is bigger than my iPhone, uh, and it's it's just glorious, Phil. I, I didn't think I could love Windows Mobile anymore, and you turned me around on that. Thanks. You realize I didn't actually develop it and make it myself. Make <laughs> <laughs> it a lie. No, I didn't even bring it. <laughs> All right, illusion shattered. No, it, it, it was interesting because Phil brought uh, a Touch Pro two, and he brought the HD two, um, and they're both. You know, I'm tempted to call them HTC phones at this point. They're they're skin. They're they do a very good job of doing it. Uh, I think that's one of the strengths of Windows Mobile is it gives you the flexibility to do those kind of customizations. Uh, I wouldn't call it an anti-iPhone, but it, in a lot of ways, it's doing what the iPhone really doesn't want you to do. It's, it's letting the manufacturers, and if you're smart enough, it's letting the users make almost... Uh, well, actually, if I listen to WM Experts podcast, Malatesta talking about kitchens and ROMs, you can basically make your own phone at this point, and that's, that's certainly a niche that needs to be filled. I showed you last night in between us shooting videos. I put a new ROM on this phone, and had every, almost everything reloaded and ready to go by the next video. And I prepared to shoot a video with you with a completely different operating system on my phone. <laughs> well, thank you. You know, uh, I got a question for everybody but Phil here, which is, um, I know the answer for me is no, uh, which is, did, it, did you ever look at Windows Mobile software when you were looking at the uh, Tilt 2 or the HD 2? Or did you only end up looking at Sense? Sense. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I... I never actually got to the point where I was, uh, except intentionally, I was like, okay, I gotta go find Windows Mobile here. I was only looking at the awesomeness of the hardware on both devices, because both devices have awesome hardware, and at HTC Sense, because if you go look at Windows Mobile 6.5, the only stuff was new was the stuff that Sense or TouchFlow 2 or whatever we're calling it replaced anyway. So, like, Windows Mobile from last year to this year, round robin-wise, huge. The, the news is the hardware got, went from pretty good to totally awesome, and HTC went from, man, you guys are trying, but it's not quite there. To, dude, yeah, that's awesome. And and I like I didn't go find we didn't look at Windows Mobile at all. I didn't have to pull out a stylus once. Hey, that's awesome. Thank you. And that's and, that, <laughs> and, and that's on a phone that comes with a stylus. I didn't even know it came yeah. with a stylus. <laughs> and the first capacitive screen with the HD two with yeah. the HD two HTC made that happen. Yeah, yeah, and you know I, I use Nokia devices which are primarily from Europe, but I, when I buy a device from my carrier, my device is the T-Mobile Touch Pro 2. It's funny, I, I like the two oldest operating systems almost, right? Windows Mobile and Nokia. Windows Mobile for me, 
I use Exchange at work. It gives me the fantastic Exchange experience. Mm -hmm. Nothing better. And boy, that Touch Pro 2 keyboard, if you use that, there is not a better landscape QWERTY keyboard as far as big spaced keys, five row keyboard. You're getting it all done, you know? If I look back to uh, the first round robin where we had the AT&T Tilt and then last year we had the Fuse, um, both those devices I struggled to spend any time on at all. And this year, I mean, these are two devices I could easily use. And to what you were saying, Dieter, I mean, yeah, the only time I saw Windows Mobile there that I can recall it from those past devices was when I actually entered into the inbox, you know, and then I was like, okay, this looks like a Windows Mobile inbox. But I mean, the preview for the inbox was, was pretty and beautiful and intuitive and flowing. Uh, and that's it. So, I mean, yeah, the, the HTC layering on top. And we didn't nice see that little beach ball thing either, not once. Mm -mm. Yeah. And the weather thing? Do you see the weather thing wiping the windshield? <laughs> and, and, and the weather was the same. And, and I hate to jump ahead, but I, I think we looked at three things. We looked at, at what HTC has done since TouchFlow, whatever we want to call it. We looked at increased hardware. And I forgot what the third thing was. Magic. 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 <laughs> well, okay. I, I do want to give Windows Mobile some props they, because they deserve it. Because mm -hmm. HTC was able to do this much awesomeness on both Android and Windows Mobile in an incredibly short amount of time. And it's a testament to the power of the platform that, it's, that a manufacturer is able to customize it as much as they have without breaking compatibility and just hiding. I mean, they're hiding stuff, but you can still go out to the Windows Marketplace or to, you know, the WM Expert software store or whatever on either of these devices and go get a piece of software and install it and it'll work across multiple screen resolutions and multiple devices. Um, so I mean, Windows Mobile is incredibly powerful and it gets a really bad rap because it's also kind of incredibly ugly, right? <laughs> um, and, and so like the current 6.5 generation devices for Windows Mobile, uh, it's this weird mix of like completely awesome and like retro weird but you know that there's power there and like it, it, it's really hard to juggle that like me as a smartphone user I get that but I worry that the consumer won't over the past year though we've seen a, a lot of talk about Windows 6.5 and an upgrade from 6.1 to 6.5 that was pretty incremental and where where does Windows go from here does a move into Windows 7 uh, in for the phone in 2010 happen earlier or later in the year and how is that important and what keeps them going? I think we're going to see it announced early in the year. Still don't know exactly when. My bet's in February. Um, not expecting any devices till later part of the year. Probably later than we even saw 6.5 come out this year. But I'm betting on more capacitive devices and I think we'll see more capacitive devices in the interim. Um, especially with the HD2. I think everyone was kind of blinded a little bit by the sheer size and power of the HD2. Mm -hmm. The HD2 isn't that, aside from the capacitive nature of it and the glass screen and the Snapdragon processor, the, you know, all right, there's the holy trinity right there. <laughs> but aside from that, the experience is exactly the same, almost exactly the same as what you get on the Touch Pro 2. I've been running the HD2 ROM on this phone until I came here. I took it back off to come here. They have me with the screen. Well, that's actually yeah. one of the things we've mentioned. You've been, you can hack Windows Mobile really easily. You can mm -hmm. run other ROMs on your phone. Mm -hmm. People help you do that. And that was a big reason why I went with an HTC phone. And I really don't mean my life to become just this HTC love fest. But the inadvertent, or whether they do it on purpose, I don't know. But the ability to go into HTC devices, and you can do it with Android to a certain uh, respect, too the ability to go in there and do what you want with them is pretty incredible. 
That's not to say that there are not some really great Samsung devices out there, and Acer and LG are doing great things too, and they're bringing more online you know, every month, and especially outside the U.S. But here in the U.S. for what we deal with, there's really none better at this point. Why, I, I just do not understand why Windows Mobile is hated right now when something like Android, which is an operating system to be built upon, is just lauded right now. Um, you know, the Droid is the greatest device ever. It's not. It's not as good as we say. It's not as bad as other people say. And Windows Mobile certainly isn't as bad as it's, people say. I was definitely surprised with Windows Mobile because you can customize the heck out of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the heck out of it. I was asking you, and then you, you had loaded a ROM, and then you had even turned HTC Sense off, right? Mm-hmm. I, I never even thought about doing that. I don't even know if you can do that on Android. I don't, I don't think, think you can. can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, so then, like what Renee was saying, like if Windows Mobile like focuses and caters to like the specific market, and do you think Windows Mobile users can actually go like diehard Windows Mobile users? Can they go to a different platform? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna find out here, aren't I? I mean, I'm I'm branching out. I'm trying new stuff. It's gonna be weird. It's gonna be different. I got a feeling they're going to have to next year. Think so? I, I think Windows Mobile Seven might branch out that differently. I'm not sure how much of the platform it might break. I'm a little worried about that. I'm worried about app compatibility. I'm worried about the marketplace. We've only had an official marketplace, you know, Microsoft sanctioned marketplace since October, and I've said, you know, in public and very loudly, I don't think it's the greatest thing in the world. I I, I think it looks subpar. Just from a user interface perspective, it's not pretty. It's functional, much like Windows Mobile has been for years. But we need the shiny these days. The shiny is what and, and, you know, attracts people. I've been using Palm was my longest term, and then Windows Mobile Pocket PC mm-hmm. was my next mobile operating system that I've used. And what's frustrating to me is that Microsoft <coughs> started this out and really had opportunities to lead in yeah. app market. Yep. In media, in all these areas that now we see other people, I'm like, oh, are you just so big that you can't turn fast enough? You know, I, that's a lot of it. Yeah, I mean, but, use the shit metaphor. Absolutely. Let, let's talk about what's hot, like the widgets and the Sense UI. Well, Windows Mobile's capable of doing that. PPC 2003, you know, customization. PPC 2003, the power to do whatever you want. All these Droid commercials about blah blah blah. You can do all this stuff. Windows Mobile did all that back in the day. Customization did all that. It's just. For some reason, one th- one area that I think Windows Mobile really dropped the ball and Apple took up was media. Right? Yeah, you can get music and videos and content on your device so simply with the iPhone and media. Windows Mobile has had we got Windows Media Player Mobile, but they never gave you any way to get content into Microsoft the device. has. Um, Windows Media Player, you plug your phone in, it recognizes the phone and says, would you like to put content on this? And that's kind of how it asks. It's very stale. It's very um, sterile. But they have Windows Media Player, they have the Zoom desktop software, which is just beautiful. Um, They have Windows Media Center and Windows 7, which is also very, very beautiful, but it's also separate from the other two. Mm -hmm. And but so, that's, everything with Microsoft is like that. I mean, right. They're, 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 they're so they're, siloed, and one yeah. doesn't talk to the other. You don't need three ways to do it. You need one really good way to do it. Mm-hmm. And I've said this over and over. They have the tools. They have all the pieces there, and they just have to bring them together. Yes. Yeah, Windows has got some definite potential, I think, moving forward, and some definite uh, things that they're going to need to work on, some great points brought up with some of these some of these items here. So final thoughts on, uh, on the platform and where you see it in 2010 or anything else? 
I, on more than one occasion, have raised the Zune HD to my ear <laughs> and tried to talk into it and, and keep hoping one day it will talk back to me. You're like Jeff Hawkins with the block of wood. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that is a, a beautiful piece of hardware, and the software is very fluid. And, and look, the software, the interface on the Zune HD is very reminiscent of Windows Mobile 6.5, mm-hmm. and I think there's a reason for that. I don't know. If they don't do something along those lines, and we know Zune Marketplace and Zune functionality is coming in Windows Mobile 7. They've announced that. So the question is, how are they going to do it? And then the next question is, are they going to let carriers continue to cripple it as they have on some platforms? That's gotten better over the last year or so with specifically Verizon. I'm looking at you. <laughs> but we'll see. And, and that's what I worry about. You know about. what? That was interesting that if they had actually done even without changing anything and mm-hmm. just called it an Xbox phone and put it on the stand next to an iPhone, that sold kids like coming iPhones. in would have actually had to think about it. Like a Windows phone, they would go, I want an iPhone. But if it was just even called an Xbox phone, they suddenly would have brand split loyalty right there. X-Phone. Yeah. <laughs> X-Phone. All right. Or the Zoom too. <laughs> Well, we'll see what we get in 2010, but sounds like we've got some interesting things to think about. Well, we hope you enjoyed that segment and all the segments that we've had in the series over the past couple of months. As you can tell, the editors of the SPE sites really know their stuff. It's been great spending time with them over the past few months listening to what they've had to say about the different platforms, and we'll certainly have more with them into the future. You can find more information about the Round Robin over at smartphoneroundrobin.com. Well, first in the news this week, Gartner says that consumers will spend $6.2 billion on applications this year. 2010, definitely the year of the application. If you look back just 18 months ago, applications were really not that big of a business. You had a a couple of different smartphone platforms such as Windows Mobile and Palm. There, You had development that was going on, but it really wasn't a mass market thing. There were only a a handful of you know, consumers that really embraced smartphones and embraced the application development uh, of uh, for those different devices. Uh, but looks like over time here, mobile applications uh, have really just taken off and people, as they're buying devices like the iPhone, Joey, it's, it's something that you kind of do. You spend money on your applications now and, and just, you know, a whopping amount there, $6.2 billion coming this year in applications. It's a huge amount, especially considering it was non-existent just, what, two years ago? Mm-hmm. Uh, looks like... 2013, the estimated amount is uh, expected to surpass 21.6 billion. So, Ooh. almost four times the amount in just the next three years. Uh, free downloads will account for approximately 60, or excuse me, 82% of all downloads this year, and will account for 87% come 2013. So, a lot of different free stuff it will still kind of top the list there. But you know, people still spending money on applications, and especially if they're good ones. You know, I know I do. If there's something that I really find uh, I'm going to be using quite a bit, you know, I'll make sure that it makes sense for me, and I'll go out and I'll spend the money on it. So, taking a bigger look at this, uh, downloads last year uh, went past 4.2 billion. And uh, that amount, of course, if you take a look at how much is actually going to Apple, which kind of leads into our next story, this is information that's coming from Ars Technica, stating that somewhere between 97 and 99% of all mobile application sales this past year went over to Apple. That That is a, a huge number. They are definitely... Uh, you know, the gorilla in the room as far as, you know, getting the revenue from that. They take 30% of all revenue that's going back towards these applications. So if you do that quick math there, I mean, they're making, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars off of these applications. And I think they've got to be pretty happy about that. Joey, going back again, 
you know, middle of 2008, they didn't even have this revenue coming into them. And all of a sudden now, look at this, we're, you know, we're talking about, you know, millions of dollars. Looks like what, $600 million is how much Apple's going to make in 2009, just with their applications. Just an absolute goldmine. Uh, just, a, I mean, what an amazing strategy they did. And, uh, uh, you know, introducing the iPhone, making it as popular as they did, and then, you know, moved into an opened Apple. You know, you can't even imagine the day now where you couldn't have apps on your iPhone, Mickey, could you? I mean, it's it, it's amazing how popular it was even as it was launched, but uh, now it's just it's so much more powerful with the with all the apps available. And look at all the the people who've made money off of that as well, all the developers. Uh, it's just quite a quite a business. Yeah, th- that's the that's the big part is the business side of it and the developers that are spending, you know, their time uh, putting together these applications for people to use. Those are the ones that are really benefiting from this. And of course, you know, Apple seeing a nice chunk of that, of course, to host all these applications and make sure that they can get into consumers hands nice and easy. Gizmodo came out this week with a great chart showing cell phone plans and a comparison chart here, taking a look at each one of them with the new price points that e- that the different uh, providers have come out with here over the last few weeks. Obviously, Verizon and AT&T announcing the drop in their pricing on their unlimited plans. But uh, even more than that, if you were to take a look at uh, what you're spending right now, we've got a comment later that we're going to come back to this a little bit on. But if you look at what you're spending right now with your provider and wonder if this is something that is is a good amount, is it a fair amount, this uh, cell phone comparison chart really does a nice job uh, putting together what, who was spe- you know who has what plans and what sort of features that they have together. So I'm just going to take unlimited as an example here. If you want you know unlimited voice, text, and smartphone data, you've got a side by side. Both Verizon and AT and T are at $120 for that, and uh, both Sprint and T-Mobile are at only $100. So if you're interested in uh, you know price points, uh, obviously the, the the number three and four carriers have better pricing than the number one and two. But uh, maybe you, you're not going to be able to find the phone that you want to neither of those carriers. So something to take into consideration. Obviously, the other things that are in play right now, Sprint, I think, has probably the best deal out there. You get 7 p.m. night and weekend minutes. Uh, You also get mobile-to-mobile minutes to an unlimited number of people. Basically, anyone who has a mobile phone, you get unlimited minutes to. Uh, You also get uh, texting thrown in there for only $10 per month if you want unlimited texting on a on a non unlimited plan, and uh, you can also get some pretty decent you know family plans as well on both Sprint and T-Mobile, cheaper than Verizon and AT and T. We've done an unlock show on this in the past, so I'm not going to dwell on it for too long. But if you want to take a look here, this was something that Gizmodo put together and kind of a neat little thing comparing each of the carriers. Well, an earthquake uh, survivor from Haiti talks about his horrendous ordeal and how his iPhone actually helped save his life. Apparently, Colorado Springs resident Dan Woolley was in. Port-au-Prince in a hotel there when the earthquake struck, and uh, a bunch of debris came down on top of him, fractured his leg, and gave him uh, a laceration on his head. Well, he used the light from his iPhone screen to take a look at the wounds that he had, identified the extent of the the, the injuries that he had, uh, then went to an application, actually looked up some different first aid techniques, and uh, applied them to his his broken leg and also to his head using pieces of clothing that he had on him. Uh, He also later uh, realized that he was going into shock. So he took a look at his iPhone uh, as to what he should be doing there. And uh, it told him to make sure that he stayed conscious. So he set the alarm on his iPhone to actually go off every 20 minutes so that he wouldn't go into uh, an unconscious state and possibly die. So uh, one of those things where you know, real quick thinking there, you know, for him to be able to, you know, use his, his phone to diagnose the issues that he had 
Uh, just a great story. Amazing uh, that he was able to survive, and he's back here in the U.S. now, I believe, and uh, recovering. So uh, very neat story there out of Haiti. Wireless networks being pushed to the limits at CES. That was my experience. And RCR Wireless has got a story talking about uh, a company called Root Wireless who performed network testing uh, using an application that they have on different smartphones from the big four carriers. And what they wanted to find out was how would they perform when you had these hundreds or 100,000 people come into town. So they put together uh, this application, put it out on smartphones and sent it out into uh, into the convention. So they took uh, the first day, January 5th, that was two days before the show, and that was kind of their baseline. They said, okay, where are these networks going to be uh, at the best case scenario here in this part of town? AT&T and Sprint scored the best, and they had a just a, in the mid-300s of kilobits per second, so not you know real, real fast, but you know still respectable. Verizon uh, had about 240 kilobits per second, and T-Mobile was slower. They were only at about 150 kilobits per second. These are 3G speeds, mind you. January 6th, uh, the day before the opening of CES, uh, AT&T saw its average speeds drop to around 175 kilobits per second. Sprint Nextel dropped down to 280 kilobits. Verizon dropped to 180, and T-Mobile's actually increased a little bit to 190. Now, the show opens here January 7th. Root Wireless found that AT&T moderately slowed down, and they went down to 170 kilobits. Sprint's network dropped down to 220 kilobits. Verizon uh, actually increased a little bit. They went up to 225 kilobits per second and T-Mobile's dropped down to 180. Then during the last day of testing, they saw a dramatic drop on AT&T's network down to 60 kilobits per second. We're talking dial-up networking speeds here on the AT&T network. Sprint's uh, network had dropped down to 200 kilobits per second. Verizon Wireless was a very consistent 260 kilobits, and T-Mobile remained consistent at 180. So definitely very, very similar to what I saw there. Obviously, I had my iPhone on AT&T, and I talked about it two shows ago on 189 and just how terrible the service was, and it was almost unusable. My Verizon phone kind of clipped along just as it normally would. I don't use it for a lot more other than email. It's just a, it's a BlackBerry curve. I also use the Sprint uh, wireless networks there as well for a, a broadband card that I have, and it was you know okay. It wasn't great, but it was okay, and that this, so this is very consistent here. And I talked to the guys at Root uh, at one of the media events there, and a very, very neat program that they have there running on certain smartphones that allows them to take a look at what's going on in a particular area. And uh, anyone can go and download this and run it on their on their devices. It, it, of course, does take a little bit of battery life as it's constantly pinging, you know, the network and making sure, uh, you know, that it's got an idea of what's going on. Uh, but it's not all that bad. They, they've done it in a way that is, is relatively unobtrusive. So if you want to be a tester for them or, you know, have uh, this application on your device, you can check them out. They're called Root Wireless, and they do some real neat stuff there. So, Joey, I thought that was pretty good to be able to, you know, kind of get an idea that I wasn't just crazy as I was going through CES there and thought that my AT&T speeds were just terrible. Well, I don't know why you'd think you were crazy considering it didn't work really. So uh, it's nice to see the actual numbers put to the the, the speculation and the rumors that uh, service wasn't as good as it should have been. Yeah, exactly. AT&T and Verizon have made their unlimited plans a little bit cheaper over the past few weeks, but is it going to have a negative impact on revenue? It looks unlikely. Apparently, the market dynamics of how these unlimited plans will work, even though they've cut their prices down from $99 down to $69 for unlimited plans, they may actually get more customers to sign up with these plans just because they're at a lower price point, raising the ARPU of where these customers were at one point. So if you're someone 
let's say who was using 1200 minutes a month in the past and you paid somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, $80 a month. And, or, and now you're looking at these plans that are cheaper. Uh, you're going to pot- potentially say, Hey, I can do that. Uh, I can spend less money and get more minutes, but then what else are you going to do? Maybe you've got a new phone and you're going to now get a data plan. You're now going to go up to an unlimited texting plan, even though you may not need them. And you're going to actually raise up the amount of money that you're spending per month. So and very interesting uh, article here talking about how the different uh, providers are actually not losing as much money as you would expect with some of these drops in price plans. AT&T has admitted that they have had several customers attempting to log into their Facebook accounts and were mistakenly redirected to other users' accounts. AT&T has told the Associated Press that a network problem was behind some of the misdirected logins and only a small number of customers were affected. AT&T is investigating how cookies were improperly recognized by the phones and failed to associate them with the right users' accounts. Well, AT&T also promising to get the Super Bowl right. They're looking to cover both Miami and Dolphin Stadium within the city with a higher capacity of cellular services. Uh, As we've seen with AT&T at some bigger events over the past few years, they've really had problems keeping up. And they're saying, though, that for the Pro Bowl coming up on January 31st and the Super Bowl on February 7th, that they are gearing up their entire South Florida network to ensure that they have a great customer experience for anyone coming into town to use their services. They're going to be including uh, three mobile cell sites on wheels or cows in the parking lot stadium, a new distributed antenna system or DAS inside the stadium, as well as a fourth layer of capacity added to the AT&T cell site inside the stadium, uh, which will increase both 2G and 3G services. They're also adding cell sites at the resorts and hotels that are nearby the stadium where people will be staying, as well as specific cells on wheels at the Fort Lauderdale hotels where the teams will be staying there. So uh, very good that they're going to be doing some different things here with the addition of not only these additional sites to increase the capacity for calls, but also the backhaul connectivity so that people will be able to send data at uh, pretty decent speeds. They have to uh, do this. Otherwise, there's going to be an absolute PR nightmare, given the fact there's so much attention paid to the Super Bowl. And it's it's bad enough CES had so much negative press. But if it's something uh, that average consumers uh, look at, uh, that's a real big hit for them if they allow, uh, you know, the, the poor service a lot of people have been experiencing at large gatherings like this uh, for AT&T to uh, get out there. Well, it's not going to be cheap either. I mean, this is they're talking about a lot of obviously backhaul services and and different things that they're going to have to invest in. Uh, and over the last two years, they've put in what's uh, apparently 134 million dollars into the Miami area, and uh, that looks like it's probably not been enough here. And so, well, they've got all these people coming into town, but it raises the question: What do you think is it going to take for AT and T to catch up? And that was a, a topic of an article here by IT World, stating that uh, an analyst says that they're looking at about $5 billion uh, for the wireless network to catch up with the coverage that's currently offered by Verizon Wireless. So we're not talking about what it's going to take to get them to the point that they need to be moving forward, but just to get them $5 billion, just to get them to what the, the network capacity that Verizon has at this point. If you look at the CapEx amounts that have been spent from AT&T over the past three years, it's totaled about $21 billion uh, compared to $25 billion spent by Verizon and the $16 billion that was spent by Sprint. So $5 billion, Joey, I mean, it, it seems like a lot of money, but when you look at the amount that they're bringing in, uh, I, I think it's, it's, it's needed, especially if they're going to you know, be able to keep up and, and do what they need to do. Uh, I don't know. Am I wrong? No, they they absolutely need to uh, keep going here. Um, otherwise, it's just going to be you know a PR nightmare. They're going to spend a lot more in trying to you know 
uh, keep and get new customers than uh, than if they would have just put the money into the network. Yeah, and, and that that's the that's the bottom line. They're gonna they're gonna lose people. The people are gonna st- finally start to see that the network itself, although uh, very good as far as the device selection that they have, is not going to you know cut the mustard, so to speak. So anyway, interesting though uh, from AT and T's standpoint that they're gonna they're going to be doing different things here for the Super Bowl. Uh, we'll see though what they decide to do with the rest of the network because backhaul is definitely an issue. Verizon Wireless has taken ten multimedia devices off the list of phones that will require the new $350 early termination fee that it implemented last month. The original list submitted to the FCC in December featured 10 models that didn't appear or that don't appear on the current list, uh, such as the Motorola Crave and Samsung Rogue. If a customer chooses to break their contract early with one of these devices, they will be back to the old $175 fee. Verizon also joined T-Mobile and Cricket this week, waiving calling fees from both its wireless and wireline customers uh, in phone calls over to Haiti. Verizon customers will not be charged for any calls made after the time of the earthquake on January 12th through the end of the month. Clearwire trialing WiMAX 2 in 2011 and deploy it in 2012. From the Boy Genius Report, the IEEE is expected to approve the 802.16M mobile WiMAX standard, known as WiMAX 2, coming this summer. And under laboratory conditions, this will be able to deliver 120 megabit per second download and 60 megabit per second upload speeds when using four uh, two MIMO antennas on a 20 megahertz wide channel. Now, obviously, Clear is uh, putting together their WiMAX network here through uh, different uh, cities throughout the country here, and we'll be seeing some more before too long. But uh, we got to imagine that in the future, they're going to be wanting to upgrade to something like this. I don't think they're going to be doing any commercial deployments of anything before 2012, though. It just seems like this is a little bit too early for them uh, as they're trying to build out their current network. But again, that's uh, good to see that there's definitely an an upgrade path for the WiMAX services. T-Mobile relaxing its SIM unlock policies. If you're a T-Mobile customer and you want to unlock your device, you'll be able to take advantage of some much more flexible options that they have. Uh, Customers can get themselves unlocked after 90 days of service. The new rules will see FlexPay and PostPaid users able to uh, get this sorted in 40 days and prepaid users in 60 days. So basically, if you were if if you were uh, understanding how it used to work, it was 90 days of service that you had to have before you could get it unlocked. They're now saying if you're a uh, FlexPay customer, you can do it in 40 days, and if you're a prepaid customer, in 60 days. So uh, it's not a big deal. You just make the call. They'll do it for free, and uh, nothing else is needed other than that. So if you're a T-Mobile customer, great news for you there. U.S. Cellular announcing its own unlimited national calling plans this week. The unlimited national individual plan will be $70 per month, and the unlimited national family plan is $120. Each provides unlimited voice minutes across the U.S. with no long-distance charges. The plans, which will be available starting uh, this past week on Tuesday, do not include texting or data, so matching the amounts that are needed for Verizon or AT&T. TruePhone announcing a new service that's aimed at frequent world travelers. It will work initially here in the U.S. and in the U.K., giving a user a local number to use no matter which country they happen to be in. TruePhone says the application will provide local calling rates in countries where TruePhone is active, local calling numbers, and low-cost international calling and roaming 
when not in true phone countries. Calling rates will start at 12 cents per minute. The new service requires a, a new SIM card from true phone and an unlocked GSM phone. They said they will be expanding the local anywhere SIM to other countries around the world throughout 2010. Now, if you remember back to my international trip last year, I talked about services with true phone and was uh, very excited to be able to use them uh, on my iPhone. And that was a service that I used strictly over Wi-Fi. I didn't use it with any uh, SIM card services. So uh, Max Roam was the SIM that I chose to use there uh, where I, in an unlocked fashion, took it and moved it from phone to phone and made calling that way. True phone service here sounds very similar to that where you'll be able to choose a local number and uh, take it with you anywhere that you want to go and get great rates there. So good for True phone, giving another option in that particular segment. Motorola filing a complaint against Research in Motion with the USITC this week. They're alleging that RIM is violating five of the patents concerning Wi-Fi access, application management, user interface, and power management. Motorola is seeking a ban against RIM while the complaint is being investigated. It hopes to block RIM from importing any more handsets that violate the patents, as well as cease marketing and selling its existing stock of handsets in the U.S., the company's IP lawyer said that it, is prepared, uh, it had prepared a statement stating that in light of RIM's continued unlicensed use of Motorola's patents, RIM's use of delay tactics in our current patent litigation, and RIM's refusal to design out uh, Motorola's proprietary technology, Motorola had no choice but to file a complaint with the ITC to halt RIM's continued infringement. Motorola will continue to take all necessary steps to protect its R&D and intellectual property. Uh, don't know what that's going to mean yet, but uh, obviously the the complaint is that they need to stop uh, selling these particular RIM devices, which are obviously the Black, any of the Blackberries that are out there right now, taking advantage of some of the patents that were uh, filed by Motorola. Typically, these things don't amount to much of anything, uh, but still two big companies involved in this one. So I'm sure there will be some sort of settlement to get it taken care of. Well, testing in the real world of LTE is finding the services not quite as fast as you may want. Apparently, Telescenaria's LTE network is the world's first, and speeds are not quite as quick as one would have hoped. Looking back at the looking at the testing of this network, it looks like they're seeing speeds approximately uh, be around five megabits per second on the upstream, and around twelve megabits per second on the downstream. Which are actually it's it's not that bad, but when compared to the current HSPA networks that are out there, uh, they're not as close to the forty-two megabits per second downstream that we were hoping to once see it. And Joey, I have to imagine this is strictly a, an issue with the backhaul. And that's kind of the problem that we're going to see moving forward is that there's just not enough you know, room in the pipe to get everyone up to these great speeds. Yeah, and that very well could be a, a big issue. And yeah, in this case, it could be power levels. It could be you know too many users, which I kind of doubt. But um, yeah, it's probably the backhaul. Hmm. I, I just, you know, I'm excited for LTE. I'm excited to have these real fast speeds on our networks. But you know, I'm looking at what we have right now. We've got 7.2 megabit per second access on AT&T, and I'm seeing, you know, 500 kilobits per second. You know, the 3G speeds on the Sprint networks have theoretical maximums of, you know, what, three, 3 megabits per second, and I'm seeing 700 kilobits per second. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm expectant, you know, that we're going to see some great things in the future here, but it's hard when we're just, it's not there quite yet. So uh, unfortunately, LTE's uh, testing there is not going quite as well 
as they would have hoped. Well, you can help support The Cell Phone Junkie by signing up with our first sponsor, Netflix. A two-week free trial is available. Plans start at $4.99 per month, 100,000 titles to choose from. Keep each movie as long as you want. No late fees ever. Free shipping both ways. Free delivery in about one business day. Cancel any time, and as a bonus to your DVDs, watch some of the movies over the internet for no additional charge. Joey and I appreciate your support of the show by signing up for a free trial. Well, my choice this week was a great uh, flick, and I'm sure a lot of you will uh, either have seen this or will want to see this here. Uh, from Modern Marvel's show on the History Channel, it was called 80s Tech. And uh, if, you're, uh, if you're a technology fan like I am, obviously it's great to see you know, what's happened over the years here. And uh, a lot of fun to take a look back at things such as the Betamax, the Walkman, uh, even you know, the first cell phones. They talked about the Dynatac in there. Even fun things like the, uh, the Rubik's Cube, the number one selling toy of all time. A real neat thing there, 50 minutes, real short. Uh, but nonetheless, it was a lot of fun. It came home last night and my wife said, oh, I guess I know what we're doing tonight. So <laughs> watched 80s tech. A lot of fun. I watched, uh, actually, I had watched a Modern Marvels with the uh, the Empire State Building this uh, past week. And that was kind of fun to watch that, too. Yeah, there, there's a lot of great stuff on there. I watched one. What was the other one I just watched recently? I watched um, one about the San Francisco quake, the earthquake of 1906, I think it was. Um, I, I've seen some some other stuff recently. I don't know. I got on this kick of trying to see some more info, you know, educational stuff, I guess we'll call it. So a uh, lot of stuff that's available there, not just movies. So great, uh, great sponsor, Netflix. Th- sign up for them for a free trial if you haven't already. Uh, they're a great one. Uh, we do appreciate your support. Well, a possible Verizon iPhone screen capture has been found. Electronista is uh, received some evidence of a Verizon-capable iPhone. Of course, I still think that we're going to be seeing one here before too long. I don't know of an exact time here yet, but what it shows is uh, obviously the service level with the Verizon uh logo there right next to it uh, on an iPhone screen, very clearly an iPhone screen. Uh, So we'll see what happens with that one. We've got an event coming up here in just a few days. Uh, But what is going to happen at that event? Fox News reporting that at the event, we'll see three different things. Number one, the uh, anticipated tablet device that everyone's been talking about, uh, iPhone OS 4.0, and also iLife 2010. The street.com is stating that Apple's tablet will be heading to Verizon. I think it also may be heading to AT&T. I think that's going to be a dual launch there. The Wall Street Journal is confirming that a tablet will be there, and that also Apple is going to reinvent old media. I'm not really sure what that means, but it could be exciting here to see what they do with that. It always is fun when Apple comes out with a new product that is uh, totally different to the market that no one's ever seen before. So, Joey, I wanted to take a little bit just to kind of speculate on what we thought was going to happen at the event. I think the OS 4.0 will definitely be at least talked about, if not uh, released here. Uh, I, I think that we're not going to see any sort of new iPhone come out here this week, though. I don't think that makes sense here. We just had the last one come out back in June, so I think we're going to be a few months before we see that. You know, and often they've come out in uh, late June or early July with a new device, and when they do so, it's usually maybe a month or so before that they'll come out with a media event and they'll talk about when this device is going to actually be released. As far as the tablet is concerned, like I said, I think it's going to be available with 3G connectivity on both AT&T or, or an unlocked GSM carrier. I'm not sure how they're going to do that and CDMA, and I think Verizon is going to be their partner with that. There's been a lot of, of uh, rumors and leaked things that have been talking about Verizon with that, so I think it's going to, I think that's going to happen. As far as the design, I think it's going to look a lot like the, the current iPhone that we have right now, maybe uh, a little bit more stretched out, a 7 or 10-inch screen. I'm not really sure about that. There's some word about dock connectors on b- dual sides of this device. There's some talk about a camera or not a camera on it. Um, 
I, you know, I've done a lot of reading about it because I'm, I'm, I'm interested in this device because I don't get it. And I'm going to need Apple to exp- explain to me why this thing is necessary because I've got, you know, I've got a netbook, I've got a laptop, I've got a couple of phones. I can do things on, on different screens here. Why do I need something else? And uh, so anyway, but I'll, I'll let you kind of talk about that too, because I know you've got some thoughts. Yeah, you know, I, I it's uh, it's not as it's not a device I think I would get either, Mickey. But uh, it is interesting to see what they're going to do with it because, you know, frankly, when the iPhone was announced, I thought who was going to buy that thing at the price they wanted for it, at the the feature levels it had, which were basically nothing but a fancy touchscreen. Why would anybody want it? And it's sold like hotcakes. So maybe I'm totally off base here, uh, and maybe what they'll have for it. Um, with the you know the software side, the app store side of things, will be able to make it successful. Yeah, and I don't I don't know that um, I, I, that I'm going to necessarily go and pick it up right away. Uh, if you had asked me a month ago, I would have said no way. There's no way I'm going to pick this up now. Of course, I'm as we're getting closer to it, and I'm reading more about it. I'm kind of shifting my well, maybe maybe I could use this for something, but. I just don't know. Um, and I don't want to talk a lot about what the speculation is with it because we just don't know and we're going to know in just three days here. So uh, we're going to have a lot of fun to talk about on the next show with that announcement. Verizon announcing the Palm Pre and Pixie pricing, stating uh, that they will have the new device go on sale tomorrow, Monday, January 25th. The Pre will cost $150 after a $100 mail-in rebate. The Pixie costing $100 after a $100 mail-in rebate. Both require a voice plan with a $40 minimum and a $30 unlimited data plan. Verizon will be offering a buy one, get one promotion until the 14th. Customers who buy a Palm Pre Plus or Pixie Plus can buy a Pixie Plus also, or will get a Palm Pixie Plus for free if they want to get another line. Messaging plans are extra, and customers who are interested in the mobile hotspot application, which will allow the Pre and Pixie to act as that wireless data modem like the MiFi, will be paying an additional $40 per month. So a minimum cost, if you want to have that MiFi service, $110 per month, and that's with only 450 minutes. So a, not a really cheap proposition there. And I'm not sure that I agree with that price point. $40 per month seems a bit steep. If you think about what it costs for tethering options on some of the carriers when they, they allow you to do it either plugged in or through uh, Bluetooth, you can get it usually for like 15 bucks a month. So to have it for $40 per month, I understand if you buy a MiFi, you're going to buy, you know, uh, you're going to pay $40 per month for that particular service. But that's that doesn't include the fact that you've already got a phone plan, a text plan, and a data plan on that device. So I think this is way off base uh, for Verizon. Joey, I, I think they're going to have to cut this here because I don't think anyone's going to sign up for it. Yeah, I kind of don't think so either, unless they just don't want people to sign up for it and just have the option available. I'm not exactly sure what they're thinking with that price. Yeah. And, you know, AT&T is going to be announcing WebOS devices later in the year. So if they decide to do something similar with that that hotspot service, that they're going to have to do something too. And maybe it'll be $40 until AT&T comes online and they drop it down to maybe 20 bucks, and then Verizon will drop it too. Um, I don't know, though. $40 a month in addition to this, if you go with an unlimited plan with Verizon, which is, you know, $69 plus the $30 for your data plus the $20 for your unlimited uh, you know, texting plus the $40 for your hotspot service, you're up to $160 for, uh, I, d- I just don't think you're getting as much as you can, you know, for your money. And again, we're going to talk about this. We've got a great question coming up here, but, uh, anyway, that, that was the announcement this week that it's going to be $40. I, I think it's going to be dropped though. HTC's obsession will be launching on AT&T and T-Mobile 
looks to be the Diamond 3. Windows Mobile 7 will be hitting AT&T and T-Mobile uh, soon, as soon as we get the announcement, of course. And the HTC Diamond 3, also known as the Obsession, could be that first device. It's reportedly sporting a Qualcomm Snapdragon processor, of course, HSDPA connectivity, a 3.7-inch capacitive AMO LED display, 5-megapixel camera, 512 megs of ROM and 512 of RAM, 4 gigs of internal storage, micro SD expansion up to 32 gigs with a 1230 milliamp hour battery. It's going to be a GSM only device, no CDMA counterpart at this time, and odds are we'll be seeing it at the Mobile World Congress 2010 launch coming up here in just a few weeks out in Barcelona. That's a nice looking device, Joey, I think, or a spec device, I should say. I think it's going to uh, make a make a good splash here, and I think HTC is doing what they need to on the Windows Mobile side. We're we're talking about two, you know, of course, two different versions of the Windows Mobile Seven software that'll come out here before uh, or when it gets released. They always do that. There's no reason for that to change right now. And uh, I, I, but I don't think this is going to make an appearance until late in the year. What do you think? Yeah, it's going to be late in the year. I mean, we just had six point five, uh, you know, basically be released mm-hmm. to manufacturers. So I, I don't know what we're going to see here for it. It, it seems to take so long uh, from their announcement times to the time they actually roll out. We'll just, uh, I think we have to be patient on that. October was uh, when six five came out. You know, we're still last week. We talked about a couple of devices on T Mobile just got the update. Uh, so it's. It takes time for these these uh, these versions of the OS to come out, and seven looks like it's going to need an entire new piece of hardware to get an upgrade for it. It looks like six is going to be the end of the road, or six five will be the end of the road for any current hardware. So we'll see. But obviously, a, a gigahertz processor, that Snapdragon processor, is uh, is a definite need for a device that's got this much uh, capacity in it. So uh, good to see that one from HTC. Hopefully, it comes to fruition. The BlackBerry Tour 2 9650 is looking to be imminent on a launch for Verizon. It uh, has hit the Celebrate services, and uh, which looks like their, uh, their inventory control over at Verizon, showing the 9650 Tour 2, uh, also known as the Essex. Uh, looks like this one could be available before uh, the end of the quarter. At least that's my hope uh, for Verizon. FCC's approval of the BlackBerry Curve 8910 came through this week. The 8910 is a quad-band GSM and Edge device with Bluetooth, no 3G services. It's a monoblock device, of course, with a keyboard on it. This one will be similar to the devices that we, the other devices in the 8900 line that we've seen. T-Mobile's cutting its BlackBerry prices on the Bold 9700 and Curve 8520. If you want to get either one of those devices, the Bold 9700 is now $130, and the 8520 Curve is now only $80. Altel adds the BlackBerry Curve 8530 uh, in a price point of uh, $50 after rebate and a one-year agreement. Smart Choice Packs start at $70 per month if you want to sign up on a new plan with Altel. Sony Ericsson introducing its HD-capable Vivaz or Vivaz, I'm not really sure how it's pronounced, but either way, it's an entertainment device that will be available in the first quarter. It's a second device from Sony to use the uh, new design philosophy based on Symbian's S65th edition. Its primary feature is an 8.1 megapixel camera with smile and face detection. It can also record in 720p HD video. It's got a 3.2 inch uh, scratch resistant touch display, 640 by 360 pixels, and a 16.9 aspect ratio. FM radio, media player, AGPS, Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, and TV out round out the specs. Boxed with an 8 gig micro SD card, supports up to 16 gig, has quad band GSM and Edge with HSPA variants uh, for North American 3G frequencies. HTC's Supersonic 
looks to be the first device to come to Sprint with Android and WiMAX. Codenamed the Supersonic, it looks like an Android-powered HD2 with a 4.3-inch non-AMO LED touch display with uh, the HD2's 11-millimeter thickness. It's got a kickstand on the back of it. Uh, looks to be very similar to how the Imagio on Verizon was set up. Runs Android 2.1 with HTC's Sense UI, and it looks to have the Snapdragon processor as well. Not much has been seen about this one other than the rumored specs that have come out on it, but another good one there if you're looking for the CDMA side from HTC's hardware. This one, of course, with Android. Motorola confirming worldwide Moto Roy availability. This is the uh, new device coming from uh, Motorola uh, in countries such as South Korea. According to the Korean Herald, the uh, Motor Roy would be available uh, in the U.S., but Motorola's U.S. representatives couldn't confirm the specific detail. Motorola spokesperson told uh, the Phone Scoop article that we're quoting here that in addition to Korea, the Motor Roy is expected to be in markets around the world running Android 2.0, a 3.7-inch uh, 480 by 854 pixel touch display, 8 megapixel camera with autofocus and flash. Can also record in 720p HD video with an HDMI port to connect directly to an HDTV. Includes a 3.5 millimeter headset jack, Wi Fi, GPS, Bluetooth, 32 gigabyte micro SD card support, and will be on sale next month in South Korea and locations around the world very soon. Google said that it has postponed its planned launch this week of two Android phones in the Chinese market. They were uh, supposed to be offered by China Unicom, manufactured by South Korea-based Samsung and U.S.-based Motorola. Google believes that the timing is not suitable for a successful launch of the devices, given the recent tensions between Google and the Chinese government over censorship and hacked Gmail issues. There were already two Android phones available in China, the O-Phone and the Dell Mini 3, and Motorola has not commented on the delay of its device. T-Mobile's Fender Edition MyTouch 3G is now available. If you're looking to get a MyTouch on the T-Mobile network and uh, you wanted to get the limited edition version, it's got a 16 gig memory card included with a real, uh, or excuse me, a touchscreen and on-screen keyboard similar to the original MyTouch 3G. Uh, this one is very, very geared towards a music fanatic. So if you're looking to pick one of these up, uh, make sure you head over to T-Mobile very soon because I think they're going to be in limited capacities. Garmin Asus uh, unveiling the first Android smartphone at Mobile World Congress. Apparently, if you're a Garmin fan, you'll be looking to get your first Android-based device. Come up here in just a month. We'll keep an eye on this one to see what exactly comes to for the specifications. The Alfia Jawbone Icon is the newest headset from the company uh, Alfia. Joey, I'm not a big Bluetooth fan. Um, well, I'm a big Bluetooth fan. I'm not a big Bluetooth user as much as I once used to be. And when I saw this one, I was actually a, a bit disappointed um, just in the design aspect of it. It's got a lot of buzz, a lot of people talking about it. Apparently, the call quality is actually pretty good on it. Um, I, but for me, it just, I don't know, it, it kind of disappointed. Maybe I'm just being a little bit pessimistic on this one, and I'll try and see the, the good in it here. And I, I, I'd love to get one to check it out. Um, but I just, I don't know. I'm not sure how this one's going to do. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, a little different, Mickey. It, to me, you know, there's there's two things here. The, the Bluetooth that I've I've experienced, you know, uh, it, it's it's either too weak, like the signal breaks up. I mean, literally, it's only inches from your phone. I mean, or two feet from your phone, and it doesn't have enough uh, signal strength to to do that good, uh, uh, you know, quality phone call. And this, I'm speaking in Bluetooth in general here. And then, you know, if you get it on the other side of your face versus the phone, then it just doesn't even work at all. Um, but this thing looks huge, if you ask me. I, I don't understand why these Bluetooth headsets aren't really tiny. 
and if they're going to be this big, why aren't they big enough to go down to your mouth where you can really get a, a, a better sound quality than the ones that are kind of up by your side of your face? Because I think that's, you know, why you really don't have very good luck with uh, callers understanding what you're saying when you're talking on a Bluetooth headset. Well, it uses that, that voice uh, isolation technology that uh, they call Noise Assassin. And I've used the Jawbone headsets before. They're, they actually perform okay. Um, I, I wasn't uh, I wasn't totally blown away by it, but I thought it performed okay. Uh, the the reviews of this one uh, look pretty good though. So um, if if you're interested in a new Bluetooth headset, you may want to check it out. Uh, I don't know necessarily that it's the best one out there right now. I've been pretty happy with my Plantronics headsets that I've used in the past. I love the 925. It's still the headset that I use when I use it. And, and I, I started out the conversation by saying I don't, I'm, I'm not a big Bluetooth user anymore. And what I'm finding more and more is that I, I it, it really, other than the car, I'm just not using it. Um, it, it just hasn't been, uh, I don't know. I'm not sure what the deal is. Maybe it's just fallen out of fashion or something. But do you think Bluetooth is in the, you know, the audio gateway aspect of it going to continue to be a big thing. I don't see nearly as many Bluetooth headsets around as I once did. Yeah, they were kind of fatty. And, you know, I, I just I just realized that um, using the Blue Ant one, Mickey, that it, it doesn't work very good. Nobody I was talking to could ever hear me. So I just kind of gave up with that one. And uh, I, I do miss my Plantronics because actually I kept that with me all the time and used that exclusively for phone calls. And uh, I would rarely talk on the Centro itself because... Um, the, 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 the quality was better using the, the Plantronics one. And since that one uh, died on me, I just haven't uh, replaced that. And now at this point, I'm out of the habit of it. So I'm just kind of dealing with the central by itself. Um, I, I don't know, the little teeny Bluetooth headsets, I don't know if they're worth the effort uh, for them, especially when we don't have to use them, uh, like for driving, for example, in the states that have the laws where you absolutely have to use them. I'm sure they're a lot more popular uh, than they are, uh, you know, in places we don't have to. Well, here's what I want to do. I, I want to hear from people uh, on, on whether or not you use a Bluetooth headset or any headset at all and, and what your decision is. So you can do one of two things. Give us a call, 206-203-3734. Leave us a message there or uh, send an email to questions at com and let us know, Bluetooth or no Bluetooth and why that is. I, I, I am kind of in the middle of this one right now. Interestingly, I have been using a wired headset a lot more recently than I once was, um, and I'm not sure what why that is. I, I choose that over the Bluetooth, and uh, so I'm just I kind of I kind of flip flop back and forth, I guess. But would love to hear on what your your thoughts are on that one. So please let us know. Well, more news in a minute here, but first a word about another way you can help support us over here: the Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked, of course, our bi monthly premium podcast where we talk about everything mobile, and uh, you can get your your uh, fix of mobile here when we're not talking on this show by signing up over at the Cell Phone Junkie. Dot com, uh, and then click on the link for the Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked. It's real easy to do. Uh, we've got two options. You can sign up for $5 per month. Uh, if you listen to this show and you want to listen to those shows as well, that's less than $1 per show to help support us in the work that we do here. Or you can sign up for a one-year subscription. That's $45. And uh, we've got a lot of great stuff that's been put out recently. Uh, the show that was released last week, uh, we talked about uh, all the... Or it was interviews, basically, of all the different... Um, th- people that we talked to at CES. So if you're interested in hearing about what goes on at CES and the different vendors and the new stuff that they've got out, that was the latest show. 
Uh, this coming week, of course, we're going to have a special episode dedicated completely to Apple. So if you're interested in hearing our uh, our conversation about what's happened over uh, during the Apple release this week, we're going to, we'll, of course, chat about it on this show as well. But we really dig into these issues and talk in more depth about the different, you know, things uh, that uh, you may, may may enjoy. So make sure you, if you're interested in any of this, sign up for the Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked. Uh, we appreciate everyone who is a subscriber with us. Into some software stuff here. The iPhone, uh, of course, having the 4.0 software come out this week. But the real uh, big thing that I find uh, that we're seeing here is the new Nexus One. This one has been getting a lot of attention here, especially on the Android side. There's been a few issues with it that have come out over the past few weeks uh, with the 3G services. And uh, the folks over at JK on the Run, Kevin uh, specifically, figured out a way that he was able to fix the 3G issues. Uh, this one is real simple. And if you've got one of these and you haven't figured this out yet, essentially, all you want to do is go in and force your phone to take a look for networks. So go into settings, wireless networks, look for mobile networks, and uh, it will show you a screen of all the network operators. So for example, T-Mobile and AT&T, uh, it should, you also see a choice to select automatically. Uh, if you select that option, it will re- say registering on network. And immediately after that, he saw no uh, further issues with 3G services, did a speed test and had almost one megabit up and down. So good news there. And thanks for Kevin for to Kevin for sharing that with everybody here. So if you're a Nexus One user with 3G issues, definitely want to check this one out. I'll put a link in the show notes for you so you can read about it to get uh, more specifics about that. Other things with the Nexus One, multi-touch, that was one thing that apparently got left out. The folks over at tracyandmatt.co.uk, though, figured out that if you go and download the Dolphin browser from the Android market, it's a free application, you can actually pinch and zoom around on the screen. So multi-touch is apparently uh, active and working on the uh uh, the Nexus One here, but it's not specifically uh, enabled in the applications. But the folks of Red XDA developers have done a patch to the software on a rooted uh, Nexus One. So you have to have a, a rooted device here. You can install this patch and you will then have pinch and zoom available to you if you're wanting to browse around different uh, applications, including the built-in native web browser. You don't have to have a separate web browser. So a few Nexus One things there this week that I thought were pretty interesting. Uh, nonetheless, uh, not a real, uh, not a, not a real big device internationally yet. I know this one is going to be coming to uh, I think Vodafone in the UK and also Verizon. We talked about later in the spring. Uh, for now, just on T-Mobile, uh, but it's a great piece of hardware. I'd get some hands-on time with it a couple weeks ago. Very very nice. Skyfire launching new browsers for S60. There are uh, two new browsers: Skyfire 1.5 for S60 Third Edition and 1.5 for S65 edition, offering refreshed finger-friendly user interface for touchscreens, kinetic scrolling to pan and flick around the screen in any direction, full screen browsing, and no visible UI elements, as well as the ability to auto-rotate and allow for landscape and portrait browsing. Both versions can be downloaded from from Skyfire's website, starting now. Nokia is offering their Avi Maps services to all GPS phones. Uh, you can now pick up a free Avi Maps uh, application with turn-by-turn directions and 6,000 3D points of interest and content from third-party companies. The Avi Maps service will also support location-aware social networking, such as Buddy Finder applications and Facebook. It's available in 74 countries, 
46 different languages, real-time traffic in 10 different countries, and maps of 180 countries around the globe. It's now available for 10 different models, including the N97 Mini, E52, E72, 6710 Navigator, X6, X6, and more. It will be uh, available on all GPS-equipped phones uh, starting in March of this year and every single GPS device from Nokia moving forward. Google recently made some changes to its Google Voice product, making retrieving and listening to voicemail messages a bit quicker. The first change will allow users to dial their own Google Voice number and have their voicemails begin playing back immediately without the need to press number one. The second change is that Google Voice will now play the most recent left voicemail first rather than the oldest. So nice change there for those that want to hear the most recent voicemail. Now, Joey, you made a good point here, though, in that uh, when you call the service, the Google Voice service, usually you're doing so to make an outgoing call so that the call comes from your Google Voice number. And now it seems that when you make that phone call to the, uh, to the service, if you have outstanding messages, like it sounds like you do sitting in your account, and, and I'd just like you to kind of explain this a little bit here, because it sounds like this actually may be kind of a problem for you. Yeah, you know what? I haven't tested it specifically, Mickey, though, because maybe hitting two like normal would just uh, get you to the outgoing phone call menu. So I haven't tested it yet. But, um, you know, I use a calling card feature on my uh, take phone on my Centro to do the Google, uh, Google voicemail dialing. And it had, it's all programmed with my pin number, the, the number two to do the outgoing call. Then it puts in the, out, uh, the, the phone number of the person I'm calling in there directly. So it's kind of an automated process. Uh, I, I hope this doesn't get in the way of that. Mm. I know there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of different, you know, features and different settings and stuff that you can tweak. So if, uh, you know, maybe it becomes an issue with something like that, there'll be something where you can, you know, disable this. And so it'll make it work like it used to before. Uh, but for someone like me, I want to, you know, listen to my Google voice voicemail, which occasionally I do. I actually had one this past week where I didn't quite get what was going on from the transcription. Uh, I knew the gist of it, but I, I, I really needed to hear what the message was because obviously you get no tone when you get the transcript. So I didn't, I didn't really know um, how urgent the call was and if I needed to call back right away. So I, I wasn't by a computer and so ultimately had to call in and check the message. But it is nice for those that uh, have disabled your password. You'll just call up and it'll immediately start playing back. Of course, I choose a password because I've got multiple phones with you know access to the voicemail, and so I want to make sure that it's secure. Uh, but if you're someone who doesn't uh, doesn't need that feature, and you've got to say a password on your device uh, that's uh, won't, you know won't cause it to be. Uh, uh, accessed by someone else, this could be an easy service for you to use. So uh, anyway, some changes there from the Google Voice services. Questions and comments this week. First one's a question from Rich. He says, Mickey and Joey, my question is concerning Verizon and their pricing on wireless pricing plans. Is $39.95 per month too much to pay for a cap on wireless services for a laptop card? He's talking about that five gig per month cap. Also, is $79.99 per month to pay for a BlackBerry Curve with an unlimited plan too much? Is that $140 per month with taxes for only limited access to the internet? Would it be more cost-effective to subscribe to a local internet provider with high-speed broadband, then use something like Skype, Magic Jack, VoiceOver IP, or something else to make my voice calls, or maybe another workaround? Thanks much for the help, Rich. Joey, honestly, I think the the... the the issue here comes down to convenience. And yes, you can get things for cheaper. You can certainly subscribe to a, a local uh, cable company for $50 a month, $60 per month. 
and uh, get services uh, in an unlimited basis. You can make unlimited calls uh, over voice over IP in many cases. You could make unlimited uh, or use unlimited amounts of data for that, uh, essentially for just a little bit more than what you'd be paying for an unlimited, quote-unquote, unlimited plan on Verizon. Uh, but is it really more convenient? And I guess that's kind of my question. I, it's a tough uh, thing to add. It's, it's basically uh, to each his own for what they want to put up with. Um, you know, if you go with something at your at, at your home, a local internet provider, you're obviously restricted to your house instead of being wireless. And, and you know, there's a, a great value to being able to take it wherever you go and have, um, you know, the 3G speeds uh, for Verizon and, of course, the phone calls wherever you go. Uh, and, of course, Verizon has, you know, great coverage in some pretty rural areas compared to a lot of other carriers. So, I mean, that is a, where a lot of the money is going to is to actually be able to take advantage of this wireless infrastructure that's available. Um, so, I, you know, I, I, I do understand it, it gets up there in, in price here really quick and it becomes not so uh, not so good on the pocketbook and the monthly budget here. You know, there's a lot of things you can do if you want, you know, voice minutes while you're out roaming. You don't use it that much while you're out. Um, I mean, I'd highly recommend getting a prepaid like a Virgin Mobile uh, phone so you can have, you know, uh, communication while you're out, but then go for the, the Internet at home. I know uh, like Charter Communications recently started a $20 a month, uh, one megabit service um, for high speed Internet. And that's a pretty good deal considering uh, some of the other prices they've had in the past for um, for their the, the, the service options. So there's there's ways to make things cheaper. Um, but, but of course it does, it's a trade-off. Yeah. The convenience thing is where I would say, you know, I think the question that he's asking is, is the $140 per month too much to pay for only limited access on these services? And as long as the industry is standardizing around this quote unquote limited unlimited with the five gigabyte cap, I don't think that you're going to be able to, even if you don't think that it's a fair price, you're not going to be able to do anything about it. And you're going to be stuck with this this cap when you're using the services. That being said, how much are you really going to be using your BlackBerry curve with an unlimited plan? BlackBerry is designed to take great advantage of uh, of being very good with the bandwidth that it uses. You know, back when BlackBerry was first designed, they did it in a way that took only, you know, real small amounts of data uh, from a server. And that was the whole idea is that the server, uh, the BlackBerry Internet service, pushing down data to this device, only the amounts that it needed. So it's not, you know, excessively going out, checking for email, doing different things, trying to, you know, do whatever. A five gig plan on a BlackBerry curve is more than enough. In fact, I would say a 250 meg plan for most people on a BlackBerry curve is more than enough. Um, I use my devices very, very heavily, and you know the iPhone specifically, and I rarely get to a gig. Okay, so uh, and then I look at devices like the Curve, where it's mostly email, it's mostly small bits of data. Yeah, you're you're downloading, you know, maybe attachments and stuff like that, but you're probably not tethering the device, or maybe you are, but maybe not that much. If you've got a wireless card for your laptop, though, um, and that's your only connection to the internet. If you're doing, you know, more than just, you know, browsing the web, checking email, if you're doing any sort of video stuff, maybe, you know, downloading audio and stuff like that, you're going to have to watch out for it because the 3G speeds in a good area are very good or they can be very good, especially uh, with Verizon if they're good in your area. So you're going to have to be careful on whether or not you get up to that five gig limit. I, uh, I would not recommend going only with a, uh, a local ISP to have your high-speed broadband at your house um, and then not have a phone unless you feel like you can really handle only making and receiving calls when you're there. I mean, you're obviously taking away 
the convenience of a cell phone. I mean, that's that's the the great thing about it is it's one number. You take it wherever you go, and and you're pretty much good to go. And I don't like uh, I don't like the idea of of just going like Skype only. It I, it just it doesn't feel real good to me, especially when you're you need to make a call, um, you know, or you need to receive a call, and you're maybe you're not by a computer or you've you've gone with some other service, but it's it's just it doesn't feel as reliable. And I know cell phones aren't completely reliable, um, but I think much more than that. Uh, so if there's, if you know you're not going to be needing to make a lot of phone calls and can use a Skype service, maybe it is a better deal for you. Um, I, you know, personally, my setup is I've got an ISP at home. My cable company provides my internet. It's great speeds. I like it a lot. I also have a cell phone here, but I don't have a home phone. It just is not something that I've needed. In fact, I have two cell phones, so that even negates the need for a home phone even more. Uh, if one service goes out, like for example, AT&T's 3G services were out at my house this past week, but my Verizon phone was working just fine. So it's it's kind of nice to sometimes have, you know, be, uh, be a little diversified like that um, if you want to make sure that you always have a way to be connected here. Um, obviously, uh, prepaid services, like Joey says, are a great way to go. I like Virgin Mobile. I also like the T-Mobile services. Joey, I've, I've got a T-Mobile prepaid card. I think you've used those before too, yep, right? Absolutely. Yep. They're very good as well. I, I, of course, I don't know if their current pricing is the same way, but it used to be where it was $100. Uh, if you'd buy $100, the, the, the minutes would last, I think it was an entire year. I think it's a year. Um, yeah. yeah. So instead of like the, where it was only like every 90 days or 30 days or something. So it was a, it was a good deal to buy that hundred minute or hundred dollar pack of minutes. Yeah. It's actually funny. You mentioned that I've got, I've got the 90 minute or the 90 day uh restriction on the the card that i have here and it expires here in, in the 25th so uh just i have another 24 hours to use the minutes that i have left on that card but you know what i mean i've had this card for three months here and um it's it was 20 bucks and uh, i was just looking for at one point i needed a t-mobile card to test out a device that didn't have a t-mobile sim with it and so it was a great way for not signing up for a t-mobile account to go ahead and grab a, a grab a t-mobile sim and do that on the cheap so some different options there for you, and uh, hopefully, Rich, that'll get you going in the right direction. Next one's a comment from John. He says, Mickey and Joey was listening to show 190 and the question about recording audio. There's a pretty good iPhone application out there called O-Tunes. That's O-O-T-U-N-E-S. allows you to both listen and record. You can schedule, but I've never tried it. I recently bought it, and I like it. It was $4.99, but there's also a desktop version available for $19.99. What's nice about it is it does bring the whole directory of streams right into the application. Uh, So if you go to ootunes.com, you can find more information about this. And uh, like I said, there is an iPhone application for it as well. Uh, allows you to do a lot of different things here, uh, including having streaming media from uh, your device uh, or from your computer at home out to your device. So if you're interested in keeping uh, all your media on your um, on your on your uh, computer at home and streaming it out to your device, this is uh, a very convenient way to do that. Any uh, iPhone or iPod Touch will be able to do that. Uh, there's also a lot of uh, different uh, things that you can do with this, including uh, recording of different radio streams. So this is just yet another way to do it here from the question that we had last week from Greg. So thanks, John, very much for that. Also a comment from Little Sunshine and says that Resco has an application that allows you to schedule recordings on a Windows mobile device. So if you want to head over and check out Resco Audio Recorder, you can do uh, use this one if you've got a Windows mobile device. And uh, that's got, uh, looks like version 4.62 is the latest released about a month and a half ago. It's got a seven-day trial and uh, you can pick it up for, I believe this one is $10. So it's not all that bad uh, for that one. So that's a Resco Audio Recorder or O-Tunes uh, for the iPhone. 
Next here, a voicemail, and we're going to call him Mr. X because it doesn't leave a name for us. Hey, guys. Uh, great podcast. I just wanted to make a quick comment about uh, actually one of the other voicemail comments that was on your last show. Um, one of the listeners was commenting on how simple it is to dial um, on the Pixie as opposed to the Pre. I did want to mention something that uh, that was omitted in your comments. Um, you did say how it would be easier with the front-facing QWERTY or what have you, but the thing about the Pre is that you have to unlock the screen, and it's it's nice to be able to know that you know the screen's not on. You can touch it all you want, and it's not going to do anything. But but what's nice about the Pre is you slide it open. It 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 bypasses the the lock screen when you do that if you don't have a password set, of course. Um, so if if you just slide it open, and then you can hold the speed dial button, or you could just start dialing just the first couple letters of a person's name, and then tap to uh, to call their number or what have you. And it's really faster than even going to the dialing application altogether or the phone the phone application altogether. Um, even on the the Pixie, you have to press the top left corner to unlock the to uh, to uh, unlock the screen to turn the screen on, and then from there you slide up the lock panel, and then it opens the screen, and then you can press your your button. So it's still a few steps. If you're driving, I find it really easy on the pre to just slide it open, hold the button, and I'm dialing already. So, anyways, just thought I'd throw that in there. Thanks again for the podcast, and we'll uh, we'll hear from you guys later. Thank you, mystery man, whoever you were, for your comments there about dialing with the pre and how easy it is to do. That's a good point. You know, I never thought about how, you know, when you're dialing with the pre, uh, you don't have to deal with any sort of lock. Uh, you don't have to go and hit the button on top of it. Slide it up, start dialing, and then uh, hit the or hit a button, uh, one single speed dial button. Joey, I, I like that, uh, you know, that you can do that same thing uh, with the web OS as that you can with the old, uh, the old Palm OS devices where it's just a, a one, you know, you can assign speed dial uh, people to uh, specific characters. I think that's great. It is. Uh, you know, I, I use that feature uh, daily on my phone to uh, dial people. I only press and hold the speed dial. I, I, I well, not only, but uh, boy, at least seventy five percent of my calls are are to people that I have the speed dial set for. Yeah, and I uh, I I have a piece of glass, so I can't hold a button. It's no, I can I can. <laughs> I I actually I have uh, favorites here, which works really well. And I would say I'm actually I'm, I'm pretty impressed with the ease of calling on the iPhone too. Because if you think about you know you're talking a, kind of the same situation here when he's talking about on the pre, um, you know you have to slide up you, you slide it up and then you just have the keypad right there start typing or hit your number and you're there. Um, so that may hopefully you know help uh, help out anyone who's looking to figure out a way. Uh, for or figure out which way is the best way to go on a webOS device if they make a lot of phone calls here. Um, obviously, if you've got a Pixie, though, you've got that power button on the top left-hand corner. you got to hit that uh, and then unlock the screen before you can go and do anything. But uh, nonetheless, not too bad either way. Uh, I would say it's, it's fine to go either way, but I appreciate that input from that uh, comment. And finally here today, question from David. It says, last year, AT&T's CEO mentioned that the microcell would be available for all markets in the U.S. I live in San Jose, California, and the microcell is not available here. Did you get any update from AT&T at the CES show on the microcell? Uh, is it something that has already died? My local AT&T store sales reps don't know anything about it. Thanks, David. Well, David, I don't have good news for you. I was doing a little research on this one, and I typed in probably half a dozen different zip codes, and the only place I think you can still get this is in the Charlotte metro area. So if you're an AT&T customer, or maybe there was a Louisiana, uh, Louisville, Kentucky may have been another test area as well, but I know I found it in Charlotte. Um, but uh, New York, California, Minnesota, 
Arizona. I mean, I tried all sorts of different zip codes as I was testing it, and every single one of them popped up with the screen that said it's not currently available in your area, and uh, you will have to uh, type in your email address here, and we'll send you a message when it is available. Unfortunately, though, I, I don't uh, I don't know when that's going to be. It's it doesn't look like it's a priority for them right now. Obviously, if it was, they would be uh, they'd be doing some stuff for them. Yeah, and it just maybe they're just still, uh, you know, basically a test market or two here, and, and they haven't quite rolled it out. Because it looks like ma- the major announcements of it were around September of '09, so it's only a few months into it. Um, obviously, you'd think they'd want to move a little bit faster, but uh, maybe they've got equipment issues or something that they're trying to work out and improve upon them before they roll it out to major widespread, which is my guess is probably maybe what's going on with it. Cause I would think by now they'd have it uh, going a little bit faster than that, but there could be some equipment issues they're dealing with. I did read of some issues in the forums where people were talking about, you know, problems with the device going down where they would be sitting there and try and make a call. They would have no idea that the the femtocell itself was having an issue because they were showing full bars of service, but then they'd go and try and make a call and it would come up with uh, saying this call cannot be completed or something like that. Go and unplug the femtocell, wait a few seconds, plug it back in, and then calls would be able to go through. One guy said he recorded like nine times he had to do this in a month and I I don't know that that's a problem especially if you know someone is trying to use this to you know to guarantee you know services in their house I mean that's the whole point of this I mean if you didn't if you didn't want reliable service you just wouldn't do anything because you obviously don't have good service otherwise you wouldn't have this particular uh, piece of hardware that you, you've now purchased uh, to make your services better that also being said the uh, the service itself. It looks like it's only available in these markets. It's not like you can go to, you know, Charlotte, buy this the the microcell and then bring it to another area. It actually was registering the device uh, in a certain area, so you can only use it in one of these metro areas. You can't buy it and take it somewhere else. It looks like so, uh, kind of annoying that way that uh, you're not able to do that. But um, nonetheless, I, I don't think I've got a good answer for you. I don't think AT and T has got an answer for you, David. It's just not something that's coming out right now. A lot of third party solutions out there right now. We've talked about a couple of them uh, in the past. Wilson Electronics makes a great, uh, great product, and so you can check them out if you're interested uh, to look and see what they have. But uh, unfortunately, the, uh, the the stuff that's coming from the carriers is relatively limited at this point here. Um, so unfortunately. That's where we're at. But if you have any questions or comments for us, we'll certainly answer them or do our best to. You can send us an email to questions at the cell phone junkie.com or uh, give us a call at 206-203-3734. There's a lot of you out there that are brand new listeners to us. I took a look at the numbers this week and over the past few shows, we've had a lot of new people come out here. We're, we're definitely one of the top cell phone podcasts, if not the top cell phone podcast out there right now, as far as news and whatnot that's going on. So thanks to everybody for listening out there. If you've got a friend who uh, is not listening to us and you know they're a cell phone junkie, send them our way, the cellphonejunkie.com website, uh, and get them hooked in with us to have them subscribe to the, cell, the podcast to listen to us each week. And, uh, and also, of course, if you want to know anything, just send us an email. We're happy to answer it. So Joey, thank you very much, as always, for your time time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.